I can't wait to introduce you guys to my special guest this week. I am not alone. I got connected with my girl right here who I'm going to introduce you to. Her name is Shannon. We met online on this amazing app here. And Shannon, she is a 31-year-old IT project manager living in Charlotte, North Carolina, trying to figure out how to live her best life with bipolar 2. And I'm super excited to have her here and just hear her experiences with the diagnosis, history, and really what this has been looking like for her so far, because I'm all about trying to bring more stories to the table for you guys to really be able to see what this looks like for other people other than yourself or someone you may know who's living with bipolar. So Shannon, thank you so much for popping on and being able to join me today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to just talking anything bipolar and sharing any uh, personal experiences that I've had that might be of help to someone else. Yes, of course. And then when we talk about that, what has your story with bipolar looked like? So I started having mental health issues when I was 18 years old, and I was diagnosed with depression at the time. And they gave me SSRIs, and I just never really worked out for me for the next five to eight years after that, I kind of went on and off SSRIs. I was in therapy a lot, but I still didn't have a bipolar diagnosis. And so during that time, I was very up and down, mostly dealt with crippling depression. I've had to take time off work at my last three jobs. And that was always a signal to me, like, this doesn't seem like depression. Nothing seems to help. I thought maybe I was treatment resistant. But it wasn't until 2018 that I had some issues going on at work and I made some impulsive decisions that reflected really poorly on me. And I was just racking my brain, like, why did this happen? Like, what is wrong with me? And when I talked to the psychiatrist after everything was kind of falling apart, she suggested bipolar too, um, mostly because of the depression. And I just, it didn't resonate with me. The diagnosis didn't seem right. I was like, there's no way I'm bipolar. I've never been manic. Fast forward to 2021, I was experiencing another round of extreme depression. And the president of the company that I was working for, it was a very small company, only 20 people, recognized that I was struggling. I was taking a lot of time off for anxiety. I was crying a lot. And I couldn't seem to get my stuff together. And he was like, look, like you need help. You need to go to the doctor, tell them your issues and admit yourself basically to a psychiatric ward. He was scared for me. And so I did. And I went to the psych ward for five days and realized, wow, maybe I am bipolar. Whether or not I am, I need to get these symptoms under control so that I can live a good life. And up until that point, I had just floundered back and forth between things were fine and then things were like awful. And I just had this existential dread that I carried around with me that I just didn't understand what it was. So the psych ward really forced me to look at my symptoms as symptoms and not necessarily categorize it as like, oh, I have a disease or an illness and focus on treating the symptoms more so than trying to cure myself or like make myself normal and looking at it as like a symptom-based illness helped me accept it and say, Hey, like I may not be able to control that I have this um, disorder, 
but I can control how I manage it. And so that's what brought me to talking more about it and trying to connect with other people who were on kind of a similar journey, but Oh my gosh. And I just hearing you get into all of that, I relate so much, especially when you bring up the very first piece of at 18 years old getting the diagnosis of depression, because that was so similar to my experience. I remember I was 16, got that diagnosis. And like you said, for five to eight years, you were going on and off different SSRIs. And then when you initially got the diagnosis of bipolar, feeling like that wasn't resonating because not having the manic episode and then with bipolar 2, the hypomanic episode because I know so many people I've talked with who feel the very similar way as you with sharing that and then having the anxiety coming up and especially the same thing that you talk about with work. Like I had the same exact history, background experiences and I felt for so long just like you say, the existential dread that would follow you around. And I think that's just hearing the fact that you said that the president of the company was like, listen, go and do this. I feel like that's something that I think is great that he or she did that to actually come out and instead of making you feel worse about it or just kind of, you know, like having that thing of, okay, something's going on with this girl, but we don't know what it is, but like, let's just see what, let her go and see how she handles it. But actually coming up to you and addressing it, because that's something I know I didn't have when I was starting to struggle and just before the hospitalization. So I want to ask you too, because I love how you talk about separating it from I'm bipolar, like this is my whole life and the disorder, but then treating the symptoms. So for you, what does that look like? What symptoms were you having that you were working on getting more awareness of to really be able to figure out how to treat them? So the biggest one for me is that I mostly experience depression. And so I struggle with managing thought spirals. And what would happen is I would latch onto something that was going wrong and just thought spiral it into doom and gloom into the point where I would be crying for hours. I couldn't get out of it. It felt like days at a time, weeks at a time of just being stuck. And so that was the biggest symptom that I wanted to treat. And um, going to the psych ward started me on a path of treating those symptoms by basically taking care of my essential needs, like eating every three hours, sleeping on a regular schedule, and taking medication every day, and then also talking to a psychiatrist and a therapist. And so that made me realize like, wow, if I can already feel improvements after just five days of this structured routine, managing my basic needs. And it made me realize that I had a lot more control in the situation than I previously thought, because I decided to go to the psych ward. I decided to participate in the treatments. And what I found was that there is a treatment plan that can work for me. And I just had never experienced anything that felt like it was actually going to work. I had no hope. It's like, I'm just going to be like this forever, you know, dealing with these crushing lows. And that's just going to be my life. And I'm going to have to accept that. And it wasn't until that experience that I really realized, no, these are symptoms of something else. But All I have to do is focus on the root of the symptom and what coping skills I can use to support myself while I'm experiencing those. Wow. And especially when you talk about the root of the symptom and then the treatment plan from before. So how was it different from 
when this first started happening at 18 to now, what would you say is like the biggest difference? The biggest difference for me is that I made a conscious choice to commit to a treatment plan. And before I would like ghost my doctors, I would stop taking my antidepressants. I would forget to pick up the prescription and then just go off of them. Or I would take them every three days. And I just wasn't convinced that the medication was going to help and that if I didn't like my therapist, it wasn't going to be helpful. So I would just stop pursuing the treatment. I would just quit and say, everything's fine, live in denial. And so this time around, I really had to be honest with myself about my symptoms and like, look, this is something that's treatable. And I have to make the choice to commit to the treatment and push myself to find the right therapist. If that doesn't work out, find another one pick up my prescriptions on time, take them as directed and be honest with my psychiatrist about what my experience is with them. And if that medication doesn't work, try another one. I had just really felt so exhausted by that process for so long. Going to the psych ward kind of woke me up a little bit. And it's like, look, if you don't manage these symptoms, this is the alternative. Like you need help and you're either going to get it on a you know, weekly day-to-day basis, or you're going to crash and burn and have to go somewhere to get the help. Mm -hmm. And I love how you bring up the part of making the choice to commit, because I feel like I'm almost inside my own head because I would do the same thing, not taking it seriously when you're in therapy, like not feeling a relationship, not really taking the medications the right way or thinking they're not going to do anything anyway. So I love that you can just pinpoint that I actually made the choice of either I can continue this process of like doing what I'm doing and running on this exhaustion level and just crashing and burning and then I'll deal with it when it's like really out of control. But I love that you talk about how helpful being in the psych ward was because I feel the same. Like I've definitely helped me really wake up to the reality of it. I would love to hear about your experience. What was your experience like while you were there? So honestly, the first day or so of getting in there, I was really mad at myself. Like I felt like I had failed somehow and it was right after my 30th birthday and I was just like, what the heck is wrong with me? And I really beat myself up a lot and I knew that going into it, I wanted to participate so that I could feel better. And so after that first kind of initial emotional experience of reality setting in. I started journaling and I just, again, made the choice, like I'm going to participate. I had a good attitude. I think, you know, I was very depressed at that time and I was having suicidal ideations before admitting myself. And that's really what scared me. And I was like, happy to be there almost. Like I was grateful, like, wow, I really needed this. And the food was really good. I had my own room. The staff were really nice to me. We had great supporting group therapy from individuals that had been through the program already. So honestly, I think I just got really lucky with the um, facility that I was sent to. It was just a really positive experience for me. I didn't experience any anything truly negative or traumatic, which I know is not the experience for everyone. So I just think I got really lucky. That makes me so happy to hear, just especially when you get into 
when you first came in, being upset at yourself for like, you're like, this is the day after my 30th birthday. Like, I feel like a failure that I'm here, but then kind of getting it out to like do the journaling and make the choice to participate. And then, like you said, the biggest thing that stuck out to me is having a good attitude because I know that that it's super hard to do that. Even when you get a new diagnosis or you don't have one and you're in this place and it's a struggle to readjust. So what was it like for you coming out of the hospital and then getting back into your normal routine? So part of my hospitalization, the part two of it was a partial hospitalization. So for six weeks after I left the facility, I actually participated in six weeks of daily therapy from nine to two. And it was coping skills, daily therapy. I got meals, breakfast and lunch. And um, I did a lot of different activities to help develop these coping skills. And we did like music therapy, art therapy, things like that. And so when I transitioned from that program back into work, I had, I felt very confident and motivated to continue the progress that I had already seen in you know six weeks. And honestly, at that time, I was more committed to like eating healthy and exercising and spending time outside of the house. And I have slid a little bit on that. So it's definitely a process mm-hmm. staying consistent. But my transition definitely was made easier because of that program that I was a part of. Oh, my gosh. So I was floored that that program even existed. Like, I had no idea going into it that I was going to get as much support that I got. And I, that's so cool. I wish that, that every hospital had something like that because I feel like that really would have made – especially, too, like – Thinking back to what you were saying, I know for me, just not having a good attitude. So I feel like that's, of course, part of the reason why, you know, when you don't take it as seriously and just getting into that, because that's something that I feel like would make a huge difference for so many people, especially coming out and just like just getting back into readjusting, having that therapy from nine to two, having the breakfast and lunches, the music, the art therapy, and really being able to have more of that attention and focus on moving forward and more healing instead of just, you know, okay, did you take your medicine? Check. Did you go to your things? Actually getting to work on it and really, like you said, get back into the things that you used to do when you talk about the exercise, eating healthy, especially sleep and staying consistent, which I know is the biggest, biggest thing that it comes down to of like, you know, when you have a day where you're like, I didn't do my meditation or like I didn't work out today or whatever it is and just really noticing that. So how does your life feel now living with bipolar than it felt like 10 years ago? I would say that I feel so much more in control of my emotional range. Mm -hmm. I feel like I can still get sad and feel happy but I don't feel these crushing lows where I'm like sobbing my eyes out over something I don't feel as susceptible to getting caught up in thought spirals and when something stressful happens now I feel a lot more well equipped to manage my reaction to it whereas before I would you know freak out scream cry just you know, emotionally unregulated completely. And now I feel like because I have come such a far way, I I do look back on those times and I'm like, wow, like I have changed a lot in how I deal with things. And instead of 
falling into these emotional spirals. What I'm doing is I'm coping with it by you know, going on a walk or having a conversation about it or writing it down instead of just getting so caught up in it and feeling like it's consuming me. Mm-hmm. And especially when you talk about the thought spirals, I can definitely, definitely relate to you, especially when you're talking about the stressful things in the past of going right to the reaction and just feeling like completely out of control, even though you know, don't do this or don't say this. And you say, you say to yourself, I'm not going to do that, or I'm not going to react this way. And then you do. And it's like, oh, like just feeling so out of control. So especially when you talk about now, just managing the responses to stress differently than how you did before and just being able to have learned all of these skills for how to do that. I'd love to learn from you because I think you kind of touched on some a little bit. You talked about talking about different things, going on walks, doing the journaling. What do you do when those stressful situations come up that can be triggering? How do you handle them differently than you used to now? I think a lot of it has to do with my therapy and thinking about what the issue is, how much control I have over it, what the consequences are, what changes need to be made. So I I feel like I kind of give it a 360 view. It is harder when you get those visceral reactions to things like finding out someone betrayed you or getting into a really bad car accident or something like that. I recognize the physical feeling in my body and that is a signal that I need to pause and try to think about what's going on before letting myself fall apart. If I need to fall apart, I will, but I don't jump to that anymore. Kind of like what you said, there's just more Sorry, my cat's (laughs) There's just more resistance to, um, yeah, it's like I have more tolerance, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, more tolerance. And I love how you listed too of what the issue is or what the situation is or circumstances and then how much of it you can control. Because I know something that the way that I used to look at things is it's almost like you can't control anything. Like I feel like everything was out of control and you just get so upset. But then when you kind of boil it down like that of being able to say, okay, what's the situation? Like what's going on? What is it that you can control or change? And then really being able to look at it from a 360 view and then break it down instead of just, because I feel like that's something that I noticed too, especially just hearing you talk about how it used to be before, just so out of control and going right into the anger and crying for hours and just letting it crush you for hours and hours and just not feeling capable of moving past it. So that is something that I think is huge and makes such a difference that you can kind of go back into really how to process the situations. And also I'd love to ask you too, is there anything that you had to cut out of your life that you used to have in your life before that you don't today? And what are those things? So I don't really drink alcohol. Um, I just found that when I did, it didn't make me feel very good. So I wasn't really a big drinker before, but now even less so. Like I just don't feel pressured to drink. If other people are drinking, I just don't care anymore. And I'm happy with that. I also used to be a daily cannabis smoker Mm. and leaving that behind was really positive for me. And I've also been in the process of quitting Delta 8, which is like, you know, basically a pacifier for a habitual weed smoker. And cutting that out has been, cutting it out to way less has been really positive for my mental health and just being more clear. And the idea of being sober is really appealing to me because 
taking meds all the time. I wonder what my real self is like. Mm -hmm. And seeing how I am without those things was really empowering. And then the other thing that I cut out was Instagram and Facebook. I found that I was spending so much time looking at details of people's lives who at this point in my life are no longer people I interact with. And it was disturbing to me how much I knew about these people's lives. And so I was like, I don't need this information in my life anymore. And I'm sure people use Instagram and Facebook in different ways. So, you know, whatever. But I just was like, I need to cut this out. It's toxic for me. And I've been so much mentally healthier since cutting that stuff out. Oh my gosh. Because I know that we were even talking before this and there's places you can connect with with people. And I usually just send a lot of messages there. And I love that you said that because it's so refreshing taking time off. And then especially when you bring up cutting back on the drinking, because that's something I really resonate with that too. And that's a big thing that you bring up is how much time people spend on their phones. And like you said, like I know so much about these people that maybe we have a friend added for years ago, but we're still on the same newsfeed and everything and just going on there and just mindlessly doing these things. So now that you like were able to cut back on that and cut all these things out, what things have you added to your life that you found to be really impactful that you didn't have before? So my husband got me an iPad for Christmas last year, and I downloaded this app called Procreate. And I've been following YouTube tutorials, doing like different painting things like watercolors. And I find that it's kind of like a coloring book, but it's just digital. So I love doing that. And I am at a season in life where I am trying to figure out how to add things to my life that I will be consistent with. The past few months, I have not been doing very well with my daily routine. And so it's really hard. I feel like part of me is disappointed in myself that I'm not trying harder to implement these healthy processes into my life. The other part of me is enjoying this time almost like, I don't have a lot of responsibilities or a lot of external stresses, and I'm kind of okay with not thriving, not maybe at the top of my game, but I'm, I'm happy. I'm content. Everything's fine. I feel stable. And so I think it's just a work in progress to reach these peaks and valleys of motivation. I'm kind of in a valley right now. So I wish I had more things that I had added to because I know when I first started this journey, I was walking every day and reading books and I had all of this motivation. And a year later, I'm kind of like, where did that motivation go? So I'm still working on, you know, figuring this out. And just hearing you share the daily routine thing, because I feel like it's such a hard thing to be like, okay, I should be doing this or I should be adding this in or I didn't do this. But I love how you were able to just talk about the things that you've gotten rid of. And then now just feeling more free and more present without this constant need to check your phone, be on these different things and feeling the stress that that can bring. So I feel like that's something too that I've learned is being able to celebrate yourself for the progress that you've literally already made. It's very hard to even be able to experience that of making the decision like you did to go into the hospital because you know there's many people who are taken there, right? I mean, me <laughs> being like, I know I need to be there, but you're put there, you know? So being able to say, okay, like I want to do this. And even if every day it doesn't look like 
the, the consistency piece that you used to have, just having that I think is like massive because I know just hearing your story from 18 years old, having the struggles with the depression side of things and then all the diagnosis and the SSRIs and all of these different things. So, I mean, I always love asking people this question because I know there's so many answers that we can kind of, you know, bring up, but in terms of living well bipolar, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to live well bipolar? And if you could pick out one thing that has been the most helpful for you in your entire journey so far, what is it? I would say that living well for me is feeling a sense of peace and confidence that I can handle anything that comes my way. There was a quote that it was like, everything you need is within you. And I don't know who said it, but it resonated with me because it made me feel more empowered to believe that, yeah, it might be hard, but I can get through anything. Like I really can. And the other thing, and I know it's different for everyone, but taking medication every day that is specific to the disorder. Like I was on an antipsychotic and believing that your symptoms can be helped managed by these medications and if you use them correctly, they can help you transform in your therapy and in your life. So don't be afraid of medication, I guess, but everyone knows what's right for them. So yes, it's definitely a personal decision. I love that. I love that you bring that up and especially just the peace and confidence part, the medication part, and just getting into your journey with that. Cause I definitely feel very similar. I've had a lot of experiences where you talk to people who are like, you shouldn't be taking anything, like you don't need it. Or then you start to get this in your mind of like, oh, I feel bad or I feel shame or I'm just going to listen to people. But like you said, there's nothing, literally nothing wrong with what is working for you. And like everyone's so individual and what works for someone else may not work for you. And then also a huge thing that you brought up was the peace part of it and confidence and knowing that you can handle whatever comes your way because you, you've literally been able to do the work on learning how to identify, okay, here's the things that are coming up that are triggering, having the awareness of it, and then just having those moving pieces because I know that makes just so much of a difference. And honestly, I just feel like I could talk to you the whole rest of the day and just get into so many things on this because I relate a lot to your story and just feel like I see, you know, a lot of similarities. And I know just hearing your experiences and really what's been helpful for you is going to resonate with other people as well who maybe are newly diagnosed or just trying to understand more about bipolar 2 and maybe know someone who is they think might be struggling with it or just trying to be more supportive. So thank you, Shannon, for coming on and sharing your story. I've loved talking with you. And the one thing I want to ask before we pop off is, and I know you already shared this, so if people want to connect with you further, where can they go? So I do share little snippets of my bipolar journey on my TikTok at She Wears Grippy Socks. I haven't been super active recently, but I love interacting with other people that are going through this. And we talk a lot about medication there. Like everyone likes to talk about what 
what meds they've tried and things like that. So it's a fun time. I'll tag that in the show notes as well for you guys to check that out. And I love this conversation. And I want to say again, thank you. Thank you for coming out, sharing your story. And again, I want to thank you guys for being here, tuning in and listening. And I hope that you guys have an awesome rest of the day or nighttime, depending on when you are listening to this. So on that note, I want to end it here and say bye to you guys and bye to Shannon. So bye, Shannon. Bye.